You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. And I need to say that because as we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, we would love to see all of us, whether you're a single professional or you are a family man or for the parents, we'd love for you to come together, perhaps together with your friends or your families, and celebrate an Advent devotional. At least, you know, open God's Word, look into it, look into the Scripture, and worship the Lord together. I hope and pray that we get to do that. Okay, during Christmas time, we don't just encourage people to prepare their homes, but we have to prepare our hearts. Amen? And that is basically what this series is all about. Okay, it is still in line with our Miracle series this year. So, we're starting a brand new series this afternoon, and it's called The Miracle. Okay, turn your Bibles with me for a while to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 to 22. As you read it with your eyes later, 18 to 23. I'd like first to see the verses prior to verses 18 to 23. And that is verses 1 down to 17. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he pondered and considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me say, show of hands, who among you here have encountered this story already? I think all of us have encountered this story. So Matthew chapter 1, this is like every church in the world, whether you go to Europe, you go to North America or Canada, when it's Christmas time, everyone turns their Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. Everyone turns their Bibles to John chapter 1, John chapter 3. Everyone turns their Bible to the gospel account of the birth of Christ in the book of Luke. It's like a common thing for every single church out there to talk about the Christmas story. And rightly so, the story that we have just read this afternoon is actually the iconic Christmas story. It's like every single one of us have encountered this story, and we all know this story growing up in the Philippines or at least growing up in North America or Europe for some of us or for many of us. It's an iconic Christmas story. The thing there is sometimes I would think that familiarity with certain stories or certain things tend to dull us. It's like when a person starts losing interest over something, the issue there is he has lost his awe over that very thing. Let me put it this way. Remember when you first had your very first smartphone? Remember that day? Had your smartphone in your hand, whether that's a 
an iPhone, a Samsung, a Philippine brand, whatever, right? Isn't it that on the first few hours, days, and weeks of your new phone, you are so awed with the features of your new phone, and your screen time is like double or twice the amount of time as before you had your smartphone. Why? Because we are awed with the features of our new smartphone. After a while, you find yourself losing interest because it's no longer giving you a sense of awe because you're already so familiar with all the features of your phone. And sometimes something else captivates your attention and your awe is diverted from your smartphone to something else. I want to submit to everyone this afternoon that if you make an assessment of your life right now, much of, right? I'm not saying all, but much of the scenes that we commit as Christians has something to do with us losing all of the glorious message of the gospel. I am saying this because it's like every single year you hear about the same thing over and over again. When December comes, we start talking about a baby in a manger. We start singing, Oh, Holy Night, and stuff like that. We start putting up our Christmas tree and all of these things. So sometimes when you become so familiar with that, you lose your interest along the way. What I want to do here this afternoon is very simple. I simply want to show you what Matthew would want to show all of us. That's what I want to do, right? So here's what's interesting. You know, Matthew did something, I would say, really great and spectacular when he starts writing his Jewish account. Remember, Luke wrote his gospel account for a specific audience, right? The specific audience of Luke, okay, were the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Matthew, being a Jewish tax collector, wrote his gospel account for his people, for the Jewish people. So he wanted to do something here. Look, we are in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23, right? But I did tell you, look at verse 18 to 23, and I told you to look at the verses prior to that. Now, in verses 18 to 23, simple. It talks about the birth of Christ. That's what it says. Now, turn your Bibles with me for a while to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And you can look at verse 2. Here's what it says. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What does it say from verse 2 all the way down to verse 17? What does it say? It talks about what? The genealogy, the family tree of the Lord Jesus Christ. So look, I want us to put this side by side. Just put this in your mind. Just put it side by side in your mind. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23 here. And then look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 talks about birth, the birth of Christ. Matthew chapter 1, exact same chapter, verse 1, talks about what? The genealogy of Christ. This was done or written on purpose. This was done intentionally. Now look, when you look at the word genealogy right there, it basically what? Talks about the word genesis or origins. It's kind of like saying, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, Matthew writes, here is the origins of Jesus. Here is the genesis of Jesus. So he starts talking about his family tree, and then after that, he starts talking about the birth of Christ. What? Where? In verse 3, in verse 4? No, in verse 18 down to 23. Are folks following? My point here is this. Matthew would want us to understand that he's basically mixing up genealogy and birth. Birth and genealogy. 
that's what you find here. Here's what Matthew would want all of us to understand. When you talk about the birth of Christ, you have to talk about the genealogy of Christ. When you talk about the genealogy of Christ, you end up talking about the birth of Christ. So, meaning to say, when you look at the story of the birth of Christ, it should bring you all the way to the start of scriptures. That's what you find there in your Bibles. Alright? So it's not like, hey, this is the birth of Christ. I realize that much of the problem of the evangelical world is when we think about the Christian Christmas message, we feel like it's just something that warms the heart. It's like, you know, we, you know, it's a beautiful story. It's like a sweet story. No. I want you to understand, the story of Christmas isn't just a sweet, beautiful story. It is a story that has the potential to change your life. It will only happen if you understand the genealogy, the origin, and the birth. And that is what Matthew is helping us with here this afternoon. Remember, two Sundays ago, if I'm not mistaken, I've talked about the four instances or like what my personal life was smart growing up. Remember, I talked about WWF, the NBA, metal music, and environmentalism. It's like, if I talk to people, people ask me about what was my childhood like, I just pick this four. What do you want to know? I can talk to you about WWF, and I can start with that and start talking about my brother, start talking about my dad, start talking about my mom. I can tell you something about, about my league of NBA when I was in grade 6, and I can start talking about my brother, my family. My point here is this. As we start looking into these things, the stories of our life reveals the rest of the story of our lives. In order for us to understand, in order for me to understand the Kevin now, I have to backtrack a little bit and understand his life prior to what I'm seeing right now. The point here is this. Here's how simple it is. The past illuminates the present. I can have coffee with Kevin, or I can have coffee with Fitz. I'll hear things like, hey, who is Ingunani, Ingunani? He can tell me so many things, and I'm like, huh, why does he think this way? Why does he act this way? Why is he funny the way he is? Why does he love doing this or doing that? And then as I listen more and I ask him questions about his dad, I ask him questions about his mom or his siblings, I end up with a conclusion, ah, Bantugra. You know what I'm talking about? Ah, Bantugra. Ah, Bantugra, he's funny because this and this and this uh, was what his dad did to him. You, you know what I'm talking about? The past illuminates the present. What Matthew would want us to understand here is if you and I, would want to graduate past just a sentimental celebration of Christmas, just a postcard celebration of Christmas, then we need to fully understand and embrace what this is all about. That the past should illuminate the present. And no wonder, no wonder Matthew was like, hey, this is the birth of Christ. But before the birth of Christ, this is the origin of Christ. This is the genealogy of Christ. And there's something in the genealogy that we all need to understand if we are to embrace the birth of Christ. In essence, this is what Matthew is telling every single one of us. We aren't giving it our all because we know so little. I would say that way, that the reason why we aren't so invested in Christ, the reason why Jesus is just a category in your life, the reason why Christianity is just like your dance club or your glee club in your life, the reason why you're not so invested in this is because you know so little. And if you grow to be like 25, 32, 
56, 77, and you still know so little, I'm not disqualifying your worship to the Lord. I'm just saying that you can embrace more and much of who He is when you understand more about Him. That being said, it tells us then that Christmas is a serious invitation to know Christ. I had two Christmas parties already, and it's still December 3. And there's like, there's so much more. My point here is this, you know, we can get lost in these celebrations. I'm not saying all of these celebrations are wrong. I mean, by all means, the reason why we're putting all of this is because we want to celebrate the birth of Christ. And we're not like being technical about this. It's really December 25. You know, the point here is there is a time in our life in a given year that we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. So if we want to be invested in Christianity, if you want to get serious in your Christian walk, then Christmas time actually is a serious invitation to know Christ. Let me put it this way. Do you know that the more you know Christ, the more you will understand yourself? Let me explain it this way. I've been in the ministry for quite some time now, not too long, but not too short. But in the years that I've been a pastor, a campus missionary, in the years that I've been in the ministry, I've seen full personalities of people. One of the wonderful things about being a pastor is, you know, people tell you things, and sometimes there's just like no holds barred. They tell you things that they have done, and like, whoa, that's the full personality of people. Come your parents here, your parents. Remember, all of you parents, isn't it that when you were not yet married, when you were not yet a parent, when you were not yet married, there are some of us who feels like, you know, in the church, people, hey, you know what? This guy, this sister of ours is so patient. People know you for being so patient or for being so calm, for being so soft-spoken. But the moment you became a parent, you realize, man, hmm, I thought I was the most patient person out there until my firstborn child was born. Now I'm thinking of all sorts of things. You feel like you're the most patient person out there until your kid wakes you up at 3 in the morning and you sleep at 11 in the evening. My point here is this. The more you know your child the more you understand some things about yourself. In the same way, the more we understand and invest ourselves in the knowledge of Christ, the more we will understand our need for God's grace. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. I'll read the story once again. We're not going to do an exposition of all of these things, but I'll just explain it because you all know the story, right? So look, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, it simply means before became intimate, before they had sex. Okay, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Hey, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, let's try to understand the story. Like you remember, there was a small place. We're from Nazareth. I haven't really looked at this, but to my knowledge, Nazareth is just a very small town. I'm just making an assumption. I'm not sure with this, but I feel like Barangay Banilad is bigger than Nazareth. Banilad in Dumaguete is the biggest barangay in this city. Do you know that? And the most beautiful and handsome people live there. It's like a small town, so everyone knows everybody. So when a scandal happens, the marites flourishes. It's like everyone, hey, bro, see, see Mary. 
buntis kuno. I want us to look at this in a contemporary perspective, in a contemporary lens. Imagine if you had a fiancé and your fiancé tells you, hey, sweetheart, I'm pregnant. Huh? Uh, we, we kept ourselves pure and holy. We didn't defile the marriage, but how come you're pregnant? Holy Spirit. Ano, ano isipin mo? Hindi ka lang sinungaling, sira ulo ka pa. I mean, Joseph wasn't buying the story, and rightly so. If you were Joseph, you're not gonna buy the story. You'll start thinking, sino bang kasama na three months ago? Sabi ko na nga ba si... He start making speculations. He didn't buy the story, not until angel of God appeared to him and told him that what Mary was saying was actually true. Imagine for a moment, just 10 seconds, that you're not a Christian. Let's say you're not a Christian. And I tell you, as a Christian, I tell you this story and convince you to embrace my faith. If I am to, quote-unquote, market and sell my faith to you, and I start talking about, you know, these kinds of ridiculous story, man, I tell you what, it's a bad marketing, not unless it is true. Not unless it is true. And we understand the truth of these things, that these things have really took place. Now, this is where it becomes interesting. Look at verses 18 down to verse 21. There's one agent there that repeats itself. And we can see it there. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. So what was Matthew doing here? Hey, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the birth of Christ. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. He tells you, Holy Spirit twice. Guess what? He says, he mixes it with what? Birth. Every time you think about the birth, you think about the what? The Genesis, the origin. So if you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, what does it say in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 rather? It says there, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was like saying, hey, you know what? This one is connected to the very beginning. Oh, no wonder. This isn't just Matthew's perspective. No wonder John says the same thing. He actually says the same thing. So he was telling that, you know what? This birth is unique. It is no precedent. It's one of a kind for that matter. That's why he was saying, the course of history will change because of this birth. It was something unique. It was something different. It was like a cosmic anomaly, for the lack of a better term. Now, this is where it becomes interesting. Look at verse 21. It says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, it isn't much of a practice now, but... You all know that there are meanings to your name? You know, you know the meanings of your name? The meaning of your name? I don't know if you know this. I go by Archie, but my real name is actually Rashid. And I didn't like my name because it's Arabic sounding. But when I started researching about my name, I realized that Rashid actually means the guide to the right path. Right? But it has to come with Al. Al Rashid. Now, I don't want to call myself Al Rashid. Okay? So Archie's fine. Archie's just friends. Royalty. So what I'm trying to say here is, if you look at verse 21, she will bear his son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I don't want to get to the technicalities of this, but the word Jesus there in verse 21, it's coming from the word Yehoshua, and that is where we get names like Joshua, and that is where we get the name Yeshua, and that is also where we get the name Jesus. 
All right? So it's like, if you want to prolong the name and get into the bottom of what the name really means, if you prolong the name Jesus, it's Yehoshua. It basically consists of two words. The first one is Yahweh, Yehoshua. The first one is Yahweh, which is God. All right? Which is God. So his name basically, when you say Yehoshua, means God. And the next one means saves. If you look at his name, ah, this is what his name means. His name means God saves. What does the name Jesus mean? It means God delivers, God saves. That's what it means. Now, here's what's interesting. Now, read this with me for a while. Look, look at this. What does it say in verse 21? If you read this in English now, so if you say that his name is God saves, then verse 21 then says, what does verse 21 says? Jesus will what? For he will... Save. Read it with me in English for a while and tell me if it makes sense. It's like this. She will bear a son and you shall call his name God saves for he will save. That redundancy somehow doesn't make sense. In fact, you know your English, right? Huh? sinasabi mo? Call his name God save for he will save. Actually, it doesn't make sense. But the point that we want to understand here is his very name speaks about two things. It speaks about his what? His identity and his destiny. His very name simply means he is God saves. His destiny simply means he will save. So just by looking at his name, that's how powerful it is because it speaks about who he is and what he will accomplish. It speaks about who this man is and what he will accomplish. Let's just go to the story for a while. Here, here's the next thing. He says, God saves, will save. Here's the next question. According to verse 21, all right? Stop thinking about your Christian subculture for a while. According to verse 21, who will he save? Look at verse 21. It says, he will save his people. All right? He will save his people. Does it immediately say the world? No. It says he will save his people. Who is his people? Our first, the first thing that comes into our mind is me. Well, yes, pasok ka, pero mamaya ka na. Because that's not what we're talking about here in verse 21. I want you to understand this. And I feel like this is so powerful and this is so important. I want you to look at your Bibles for a while. Look at verses 1 to 17. Just glance it for a while. Just glance it for a while. Just look at that for a while. It starts with a man by the name of, his name is Abraham, right? It starts with Abraham. In what sense did Abraham came in the picture? Bakit and just Abraham? Why does he start talking about Abraham? Because Abraham wasn't the first man, was he? He wasn't the first man. Who was the first man? Adam, right? Adam was the first man. So the thing here is Adam was the first man. Now, let me make this so clear. Remember, Adam was our federal head. Right? Meaning to say, he represented every single one of us. Did Adam fulfill? Remember, God had a covenant with, Ab with Adam. Here's my question, everyone. Did Adam fulfill his end of the covenant? He did not. Right? So he did not. So what did God do? God raised a family through this man. Abraham. This is what I'm trying to do here is that I'm summarizing verses 1 to 17. He took a guy by the name of Abraham. He wasn't Jewish. 
he was from Ur of the Chaldeans. He called Abraham to journey towards this place. Guess what? At one point in his life, you know, Abraham actually disobeyed God. Right? So, from Abraham, from a family, the Lord raised a nation. Did these people fulfill their end of the covenant? In some sense, we know that they did not. And then there comes what? Your first kings, second kings, first chronicles, second chronicles. Over, over and over again, you'd see that they started what? Raising kings. They started raising kings, even in the line of David. And they themselves, and they themselves, basically what? Didn't fulfill their end of the covenant. Are you folks following? So, when Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, She will bear a son, and he shall call his name. God saves, for he will save his people. Friends, ito po yun. His people? That's the one right there. So, God was like, all right. You guys have a cycle of defeat. You guys have a cycle of failure. You guys have a cycle of sin. It's like one day you love God, tomorrow you hate God. It's like one day you're passionate for God, one day you're fulfilling your end of the covenant. After a week, after a month, after a year, there you are serving the Baals. There you are not worshiping God anymore. So finally, to break this cycle, I raise this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, God saves this very man to deal, to save his people. Here's the problem. Well, it's not really the problem, but we have to look at it in a deeper perspective. Friends, look. Who am I here can honestly tell me that sometimes in your life right now, you're encountering some hardships. Okay, remember, right? What, let, me, let me tell you what your hardships are based on the prayer requests that you give us every single week. I memorize all of those. Heartache. Job security. Financial security. Academics. Relationships. <laughs> I kid you not, friends. I kid you not. I can collect all of your prayer requests in a given year. I do that every year, okay? And we put that in categories and it falls in any of these categories. It's either relationship, it's either you know, praying for the Lord for a breakthrough, for physical healing, it's either economic or prosperity and all. What, you know what? These are, these are felt needs. These are felt needs. These guys right here, his people, these people, this one. All of them. Do you think they have felt needs? What was one of their felt needs? What was one of their felt needs? They wanted freedom. They're being oppressed by the Roman Empire. That's why they were anticipating, don't worry, Isaiah said, someone will come. He will rescue us. The Messiah will come. And they were expecting for a military ruler. You know why? Because their thinking was, it all has something to do with political. They thought that having the right president will save their nation. 
they bank their life on the government, on the economy, whether crypto is doing well or not, whatever. Here's how simple it is. I want you to look at verse 21 once again. Look at verse 21. Here's my question. From what will Jesus save them from? She will bury son and she'll call his name Jesus for he will save his people from the clasp of Rome? From what? <laughs> Friends, from sins. You all have problems in life. I'm not denying that. I have my own sets of problems. I have my own problems. I have my own problems, past, present, and future. But ultimately, I want you to understand this. Your deepest problem is your sins. What he was trying to tell us is, hey, guess what? When you start talking about sins, his people here, God saving his people, no longer just talks about his people, but it talks about the rest of humanity. No wonder when John was baptizing, what did he say? He saw Jesus, hey, behold, the Lamb of God who is to take away the sins of Israel. No, the sins of the world. Here's your biggest problem. And I want you to understand this. Think about all the corruption in the world. Think about all the corruption in our souls. Think about your quasi-pornography. Think about your lethargic Christian life. Think about your lying. Think about your bad spending habits. Think about your insecurity. Think about your propensity to gossip. Think about how your attitude stinks. You funnel it down, it's, it basically boils down to one thing, sin. You know what it tells me? I read the Bible, and I realize, hey, guess what, friends? Jesus is a good teacher. He's a good teacher. And there are so many things that Jesus said that could be like a guiding principle for my life. But nothing beats Him saving me from my sins. You know what it tells us? Friends, look at this. You know what it tells us? It, it tells us then that you may or may not receive all the things that you're praying for from the Lord. The Lord may or may not heal you. The Lord may, in His providence, or may not provide for you. As jars of clay as we are, the Lord may or may not bring all of these breakthroughs in your life, but can we for a moment just think? Just think with me. I may not have all sorts of things in this world. But as long as I know that my soul is saved, it is totally fine with me. Because there's no greater gift that I can receive from this world other than the salvation of my soul. Recently, you know, my elementary classmates have been messaging me the past several weeks, and they've been telling me about our 25, 25 years reunion. 25 years reunion. Hey, Archie, bless, uh, please visit us, reunion. So, their life right now. My, 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 my good friend, whom, you know, we just, okay, I, mean, I mean, I'm a Christian now, okay, whom we just, like, you know, bullied when we were 
in grade school. Guess what, friends? The, the guy's a pilot now. <laughs> the guy's a pilot now. One is like a doctor, one is like a, uh, a lawyer, and all. I mean, this in, in a world standard, they are so accomplished. And I, and I look at my life, and I'm like, okay, accomplishment? Po? Okay, pastor po ako. Just being so forward and honest with, and I look at my life, and I'm like, man, am I, have I accomplished anything? You know, sometimes these things would cross my mind. My, my good friend is like this. My good friend is, is doing this and doing that. They, they have all of this. And here I am. I'm in the same city that I attended college in. Make no mistake, friends. I, I truly love this city. But I'm just saying that these things cross my mind. And then I encounter the gospel over and over again. And I realized, man, I have such a privilege to be able to do what I'm doing. I don't know with you, men of here, I, I read your prayer request, I mean, and you're like praying for this and praying for that. Friends, I'll tell you what, those things may or may not come. I pray that they will come by the will of God. I want you to understand, I pray that you will embrace this. At the end of the day, there's nothing that this world can offer you that is far greater than what Christ has already offered you. And I pray we get so secured with those things. at verse 22 and 23. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna end with this. And this is interesting. Verse 22, it starts talking about a prophecy. Right? So Matthew was like, hey, Matthew knew, hey, guess what? This birth of Christ, this was prophesied in Isaiah. And he will be called, what's his name? According to Isaiah, he will be called Emmanuel. Which means, come on now, which means God with us, friends. God with us. I, I read it and I realize, man, I have the privilege that I serve a God who's not abstract. He is not abstract. The reason why I can bank on this God of mine because He gives me hope and life because He walked with us. He is with us. And I just love that thought that God was not content. Here's what it means. Emmanuel, God with us, it simply means that God was not content to leave you in your mess. Wasn't content to leave us in our mess. This is where God is. That's why the Christmas story always points to the cross. It always points to the cross of Christ. Emmanuel means God with us. Last verse, turn your Bibles with me for a while to Matthew chapter 28. Look at this. Look at Matthew 28. Listen, we started with Matthew 1, right? What's the last chapter of the book of Matthew? Matthew 28, right? What did it say? When you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, God with us. Okay, God is with us. Great. I love that. I don't know with you, but I wish I can tell you how powerful this is. Look at Matthew 28. Look at verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This was already in the latter part of Matthew. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, look at this. Jesus looked at his disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Look at this. Can you read this with me all aloud? And, and 
Behold, look at this. I am with you to the very end of the age. He says, this guy's Emmanuel. He is with us. Ah, I thought it's just about incarnation. No, Jesus himself said, behold, 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 I am with you to the very end of the age. You know what this tells us? It tells us that Jesus, the Jesus that we worship is not just the Jesus of past history. He is our Jesus of this contemporary generation. Are you troubled? Are you broken? Are you needy? Are you anxious? Are you panicky? Are you angry? Are you disappointed? Are you frustrated? Are you in luck? Is, is your life falling apart? Is your life so broken and shattered? Is your life purposeless? I want you to understand this. If you said yes to any of those, the Jesus that you worship is with you to the very end of the age. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like scanning this room and there's like, you know, there's like one of you here whom I have been messaging with and, you know, this person, okay, has really like, you know, it's like, hey, there's, there's an open door. There's a job waiting for me in Manila. And there's like, hey, uh, this is the only money I have. So he went to Manila and cut long story short, you know, it's like, it's like not getting the job and he doesn't have money anymore to come back to Dumaguete. And ended up what? Ended up just to sustain the daily need. He, he, he became like a conductor in the jeepneys in Manila. I mean, friends, true story. That's just one story among what? How many of you are here? Among 300 plus of us. You have your own stories. Some of you are solo parents. Some of you, are, you, you don't know what to do with your kids. Stuff like that. But I want you to understand this. We may not get help always from the people around us. We may not get help from our own families, rest assured that the Jesus you worship is with you to the very end of the age. I feel like, man, whether I go to Afghanistan, wherever I go, whatever happens to my life, I will keep worshiping God because He is with me to the very end of the age. And I hope and pray that that will be your own disposition. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.